This is the third week of a just a little three-week lesson called Overlap. Talked about how we're to overlap our lives with our Father, how we as Christians are to overlap our lives with other believers. And then today we'll talk about is how we overlap our lives with the community, those that are around us, those that we interact with all the time, and how that's going to influence us and our faith, and how that's going to influence them. Um, for Jesus, and hopefully for, as we talked some in, the, in Sunday school this morning, for the kingdom of God. Because God's kingdom is way bigger than us. God's kingdom is way, um, it stretches beyond my comprehension. And God has allowed us to be a part of his kingdom. So we'll talk today about overlapping with our community. According to a relatively recent uh, research by Lifeway, um, among Americans who pray, these are the things that people typically pray for. 82% pray for their friends and family. 74% pray for their own problems or difficulties. 54% pray for good things that recently happened, offering thanksgiving to God, and that's a good thing for us to do. 42% said that they prayed for their own sin. 38% says people in natural disasters. Those are uh, things that they prayed for. And just below that, at 37%, people prayed about God's greatness. Just below that, at 36%, people prayed for their own personal future prosperity and their life. And the last couple of things that rounded out the list, 20% of Christians among Americans who were surveyed that said what they pray for, and they could choose multiple things. 20% of people said that they pray for people that have a different faith or have no faith at all. 12% say they pray for their government leaders. 5% pray for celebrities or other people in the public eye. And 2% of people said that they pray for none of these things. They just pray for other things that are included. Um, prayer is something that becomes very personal to us because we, we pray by ourselves, hopefully, to our Father. That's what I talked about two weeks ago. And I'm going to overlap my life with, with my Father like Jesus did. And I want him to influence how I behave and what I do and who I interact with. But prayer is also things that we do together, hopefully, as parents, and we pray with our kids we pray for those that, are, um, that share our faith, that we spend time with our family, and we're looking for opportunities to pray for other people. But when we pray, uh, you guys have probably felt like this sometimes too. I know I look back and, and I examine the things that I pray for and the frequency and, and how much and how deep those prayers get, and I often find that there's things that are missing. Sometimes there's great big huge things that are missing from things that I know that I should pray for, that I have evidence in Scripture of things that have been prayed for. And, and I think as the church that we are called to live boldly in our life. We're called to be bold in our faith, both in what we believe and what we do. And for us to live boldly and overlap with our community, a key to that is we're going to have to pray boldly. It's really easy to, for me to pray these little tiny safe prayers and never to go deeper, never to ask God to do more, never to have these plans that are so great, big and so huge that I'm going to fail miserably if God's not at the center of everything that I'm trying to do. And really this list of things that people said that they prayed for, are, boldness not being on there I think becomes a big, uh, like an egregious omission, something that we missed. I said Acts chapter 4 is what I want to read from today. I'm going to start reading in verse 23. But just before that, just so that we are reminded of what happens, this is right after the church was started in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, and then the disciples are performing miracles. And then Peter and John come before the council, 
and they're being accused of causing trouble. It says that as they were speaking to the people, the priests and captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they arrested them and they brought them before trial so that they were going to be arrested because they didn't want them to be there anymore. This is going to lead up to verse 23. It's not here. I'm going to read that in just a minute. So all the rulers get together and they say they don't want Peter and John or any of these disciples doing these things. So they say, let's get them thrown in jail. That'll at least shut them up for a little bit. So that's what they're trying to accomplish. And Peter and John go on to continue to be bold, saying in verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for no other name under heaven and earth among men by which people can be saved. Verse 13 describes Peter. It says, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. When it comes to boldness in our faith and when we're going to act and when people are going to take notice because of what we believe, man I, man, I really hope, really hope that people would use this phrase to describe us too. They were just common people. But when people saw the boldness of your faith and the boldness of the faith here of those here at Cross Plains, they would recognize and say that, oh, they were astonished at what they did, but it really should be all that surprising because those people, they walk with Jesus. She's coming, buddy. She's coming. It's all right. She wouldn't leave you. Sometimes kids don't care. They're going to tell you what they think, right? They're going to tell you what they want. They're going to tell you what they need. They're going to do stuff when we feel like it's not culturally appropriate to do that. And God does that with us and our faith and what we're called to do. We're to do things where the whole room's going to have to look at us and go, what are they doing? Bye, Tabitha. Bye. <laughs> but, man, we learn so much from life. And the boldness that kids have and just, Mama, come on. <laughs> Father, be with us. Father, help us to be bold. May people look at us and see, just be astonished at our faith because they were with Jesus. That's what happened here. Then they go to try to release Peter and John and say, okay, we'll let you go, but don't talk about Jesus anymore. And they say, we don't have the authority not to. We have to talk about Jesus. And then verse 23, when they were released, Peter and John were released from their little mini captivity here for telling people about Jesus. They, Peter and John, went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. Verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed throughout the nature of your holy servants, Jesus. And when they had prayed, these are the Peter and John, and they're believers who are together. When they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with, what's that word again? 
boldness. We should pray for boldness. That is what they did. That's what the believers did. Now, we could look back and say, well, Joel, that's a lot easier. They're not that removed from the day of Pentecost, and the disciples especially were filled with miraculous powers from God, with the Holy Spirit, and they could perform miracles, but they were carrying out what Jesus had taught them to do. They were to be bold in their faith. They were to tell people that you can't stop me from telling people about Jesus. I'm going to tell you why, because everybody needs to hear, and I have to tell. I have to let you know. They were bold. That's what this prayer is in this passage of Scripture that I read. It's the believers gathering together and talking to God and saying, let us be bold in our faith in what we're going to do. And what's it say that God did to that very place that they were, that room that they were in? It started shaking. Are you kidding me? They prayed for goldness, and God shook the place where they were, almost affirming what they had prayed for, that he would give them the boldness to go and do the things that God had set before them. What would we do if we prayed for boldness? What would we do if we prayed for God to shake this place to get our attention, and then he did it? Oh, somebody blowing up something, or was that an earthquake? Somebody checked. No, sometimes I think our prayers fall so short, or my prayers fall so short, because I don't expect God to do anything. Or maybe my prayers are so small that it really isn't going to make that much of a difference. I want to use an example from the Old Testament in Exodus, Exodus chapter 32. Yeah, 32. I'm not going to read all of this. You can read more of the story later if you want to, but this is the golden calf and the people of Israel. Verse 30, uh, chapter 32 of the book of Exodus starts out this way. It says, When the people saw that Moses had delayed in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron, Moses' brother, and said to him, Up, make us gods that we should go before us. As for Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of them. So Aaron said to them, That's a terrible idea. You guys should not do that. No, he doesn't. He says, Take off the gold rings and the things in your ears, and we'll burn those down, and we'll make them into a golden calf. Then Moses, later on, he comes down from the mountain because the people didn't know what they were going to worship. Moses, who led them out of slavery, had gone up in a mountain and hadn't come back. And maybe he died and maybe he gave up or maybe God killed him. They didn't know. So they said, let's make something that we can see and that we can worship together. And then God gets pretty mad, rightfully so, don't you think? God appropriately gets mad here. In verse 7 of Exodus 32, it says, And Moses said to him, Go down for your people for whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. They have corrupted themselves. And I have turned aside quickly to get out of the way of what I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it, saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So after God miraculously brought them out of Egypt and part of the Red Sea and brought them through, they gave up on God and made their own. And God's pretty upset. And the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 32, verse 9, says, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that may make a great nation of you. God says to Moses, forget them. I'm going to fulfill my promise through you through another way. 
And they're talking about praying and going to our Father and asking for boldness. Moses could have said, that sounds like a great idea. Those, they're messed up. Like, I don't even want them in the first place, God. They were my second choice. I would have rather have somebody else. But Moses goes before his father, verse 11. But Moses implored with the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn white hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with your mighty hand? Why then should the Egyptians say with evil intent he did bring them out and kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars from heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they will inherit it forever. Prayer is us talking to God, right? It's us talking to our Father. Now Moses, in this case, was right there in dialoguing, and he expected God to respond. But I think in a lot of ways, we should expect God to respond when we talk to our Father. Yeah, Moses goes boldly before God and says, remember what you have done. Don't give the Egyptians a reason to say anything else bad about you. You killed the Egyptians. You killed your own people. No, remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel, whom you promised. God, remember what you said. Not that God forgot. But Moses was willing enough to boldly go before God, and here's his response. God didn't snatch the life out of Moses right then. Verse 14, Genesis 32, 14, and the Lord relented. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. What would have happened if Moses was too afraid to pray with boldness, to go before God with boldness? What would have happened to God and to God's people? We know God would have been just fine. Okay. What would have happened? The Lord relented from disaster that he had spoken and bringing to his people. So what does praying for boldness for us suggest? It suggests and it lets us know that we're facing a challenge that is too big. It is too great. It is too much for us to accomplish. And it scares us sometimes maybe to death. Maybe the question for us is, when was the last time in your life as a believer that you attempted something so big that you were terrified to do it? When was the last time that you were willing to listen to the word of God and be filled with the spirit enough to say, I'm going to go accomplish these things that I don't, I'm not even going to be able to possibly explain the greatness that God is going to be able to do, but I'm going to go out and do that because I know God is in it and with us. We believe that we, what we have to share is worth sharing no matter what, isn't it? What we have as Christians to share, the truth of sin being forgiven only by the blood of Jesus, is worth sharing. It's worth us being able to talk to other people about it. But we really have to ask ourselves, is it really a matter, do we really believe it's a matter of life and death? How urgent does it become? Because it's one thing to say that we believe in something. It's a whole other thing that my actions back up what I say that I believe. There's a sense of urgency that we're to have. And it's easy to lose sight of that in life with kids and bills and retirement and aging parents and broken relationships and broken cars and houses and all stuff that goes wrong. 
But what we keep before us is this white-hot mission that God has given us to let other people know about the kingdom and how they can be a part of it, and not just a part of it, but an integral part of it. Like God wants everybody to be workers in the field so that more people can be included in the kingdom. We have to believe that God has the power to make us bold, that God has the power to make you bold in your faith, to make you not so comfortable. And you have to ask yourself, we have to ask ourselves, well, how powerful is the God that you believe in? How powerful is the God that you serve? Do we really believe that God is very powerful? In Acts 4.31, it says that when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak with all boldness. Do we ever believe that God has the power to literally shake a space? to get a hold of it and to do something that we know that it is God or to get a hold of our lives and to shake them in a good way to get us back on track to following after him. When we think about the plans that God has for us, that the plans that God has for his kingdom, he has told us in the end that the church wins, (laughs) that there's no debating that. God and his kingdom wins. Jesus reigns supreme. He is on the throne. He is in control. And the church is going to win. And we know that. That should give us a boldness to go out and to do things that scare us. To do things that make us uncomfortable. To do things that the world's going to look at us like, what are those crazy people doing? And the only explanation we can give is that we're following after together, united as a church, what God has called for us to do. That we care for others more than we care for ourselves. That our heart breaks for people who are far from God more than it breaks when we have our feelings hurt. And that the best explanation we can get is that we prayed for God for boldness and we expect him to deliver. Not that God's a cosmic vending machine, you got to put in the right change and hit the right button and you get, that's not how it works. But when my life lines up with the plan that God has for us and has for all people, I can't help but think that God's just going to leap for joy at the chance to answer those prayers in a way that's honoring to him and honoring to his kingdom and allow us a chance to speak for more than just a little tiny influence that we feel like we may have. If we're going to have dreams for what God wants for us to accomplish here at the church at Cross Plains or the church in in this community or us in our lives and how we're going to influence our family, I don't want us to have little tiny dreams. I want us to have enormous God dreams. That the only way I could possibly explain, that we could possibly explain, is that I was seeking after and I was being obedient to my Father. And God orchestrated and brought all these things together. If I've said it 10 times, I've said it 300 times. Um... We are called to be obedient to what God is telling us to do, both as the church, corporately, and each individual Christian. We are called to a life of obedience, and we are to trust our Father with the outcome. God is in the outcome business. We are in the obedience business. Five years from now, what do you see? What do you think we could accomplish here? What, if we're following after God with all that we have and say, God, may we shake this community. May we impact people for Jesus who are far from God so they can be included as workers in the kingdom. What's going to happen five years from now? What does that look like? Are we going to have these great big enormous dreams of, God, I really hope we can make budget this year. Well, you know what? I do pray that, and I want us to make budget this year because we didn't make budget last year. We were short. But that's not a big dream. I mean, it's really not. That's not, oh, that's a really, I mean, that's a very practical thing that we have to do for a number of reasons, but that's not an enormous God-sized goal, I don't think. 
I think what God would want us to do in five years from now, I would hope that this room is just filled with people that we don't even know. There's so many people here that we can't even keep up with, can't possibly keep up with them. Everybody can't, but a few people can. And as we're invested in the lives of other people and helping them to grow in their faith and praying for them and checking on them and we're loving and caring for one another, these enormous things that God will do will make me uncomfortable. And they will make you uncomfortable. But that is the absolute very least that I could do for the kingdom of God. What do you guys think it's pretty fair to say that Jesus was slightly more than uncomfortable on the cross? <laughs> By whatever means necessary. I want to have these enormous big dreams because God wants us to accomplish amazing things. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3. Um, it's not in Ephesians, but it's what Jesus said to his disciples. He says, you guys are going to do greater things than what you have seen me do. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thinking bigger, thinking outside of our walls or outside of what we have done or how God really wants us to invest and let people know that they are cared for, not in just a cliche, how are you? You're fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. It's not true most of the time. Having these enormous, because God has these great, big, huge plans for us. And when we seek after him, it'll be hard to have the words to explain what has happened and why it is different and how God continues to work through the faithful who are coming, who are committed, who are on mission together to reach others. Years ago, the professional golfer Arnold Palmer played a series of exhibitions um, in Saudi Arabia. When he finished, the king was so impressed at Palmer's expertise that he wanted to give him a gift. Palmer is a multimillionaire, very successful, and he said, it's not really necessary. I don't really need anything from you. Thank you for letting me come and playing and for meeting your people. Um, now, kings don't like it very much when you don't go along with what they thought, and he was pretty upset. So Palmer said, okay, that's all right. Why don't you just give me a, a golf club? And then so the next day, um, the king sent a messenger to Palmer's room with a title to a golf club with 36 holes, lakes, trees, and buildings. He was talking about just get me a new driver or like something that I can go put up on the wall like a nine iron and so I could remember my time in Saudi Arabia. He, he, Palmer relented and said, just give me a club. I'll take a wedge. That's okay. And the king said, okay, I hear you, and gave him a golf course. Don't ask for little tiny things in the presence of a king. When the king has the power to give more and to do things, because God can't be contained. If you have a need, pray boldly for God to meet that. If you have a pain, pray boldly for God to heal it. If you have a question, pray boldly for God to answer that. If you have a vision, pray boldly that God would make that clear and unite us together so that we can accomplish great things, not for us, not for cross planes, but for his kingdom for people who would spend eternity removed from the presence of their loving Father, maybe because I wasn't willing to pray boldly and to turn around and to live boldly. 
If you guys want a really good example as far as what happens to not just pray boldly but to live boldly, just thumb through the pages of the book of Acts on from where I was in chapter 4. You'll read about people like, like Stephen and Philip and Ananias and Paul who were bold in their faith and Barnabas who were bold in their faith and what they did. And I can't help but think all those things were directly related back to Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 where we have this description that says they were astonished at what they were able to accomplish, and that their boldness, and why were they bold? Because they were with Jesus. And then the prayer of Peter and John after they were released, it said, God, may we be bold in what we do. May we be bold in our faith. The one thing we could make expressively clear as we look through the pages of Scripture in the church is that the one thing the church was not going to be is silent. They were going to speak when God told them to speak. And they were, they were going to take action when God told them to take action. May we be bold in our faith. May we be bold in the love of Jesus that we share with one another and the love that we share with other people. Let's pray. God, thank you for entrusting us with the mission here of the church to be bold in what we do, to be bold in what we pray for and what we ask of you. And Father, to respect you and to trust you all along the way. God, I pray that when you put those opportunities before us, may we take hold of those and be willing to accomplish greater things because we are following after you, the only one who is worth following. God, I pray that as we ask for boldness and want to live boldly, that we do not get in your way of what your spirit has to accomplish God, of the lives that we will impact and will be included as a part of the kingdom of God forever. God, may everything we do be about you and advance your kingdom. Thank you for using us and for loving us. It's in Christ's name. Amen.